this is Island Waves, and you are listening to The Book Nook. You're listening to Island Waves. Join us today as we journey along with Baroness Karen Blixen in her published memoirs, Out of Africa. Published under the nom de plume, Isaac Dennison. Come along on her journey. Kamante was a small Kikuyu boy, the son of one of my squatters. I used to know my squatter children well, for they both worked for me on the farm and used to be up round my house herding their goats on the lawns, in the faith that here something of interest might always occur. But Kamante must have lived on the farm for some years before I have ever met him. I suppose that he had been leading a seclusive existence, like a little sick child. I came upon him for the first time one day while I was riding across the plain of the farm and he was herding his people's goats there. He was the most pitiful object you could set eyes upon. His head was rather big and his body terribly small and thin. The elbows and his knees stood out like the knots on a stick, and both his legs were covered with deep running sores from the thigh to the heel. Here, on the plain, he looked extraordinarily small, so that it struck you as a strange thing that so much suffering could be condensed into a single point. And when I stopped and spoke with him, he did not answer, and he hardly appeared to see me. In his flat, angular, harassed, and infinitely patient face, the eyes were without glance, dim, like the eyes of a dead person. And he looked as if he could not have been more than a few weeks left to live in this world, and perhaps that you might see the vultures, which are never far away from death on the plain, high up in the pale burning air over his head. 
I quickly told him to come round to my home the next morning so that I may try to cure him. I was a sort of doctor to the people on the farm, most mornings from nine to ten, and all like the greatest quacks in the world, I had a large circle of patients, and generally between two and a dozen sick people up by my house early every morning. The Kikuyu are adjusted for the unforeseen and they are accustomed to the unexpected. And here they differ from the white men of whom the majority strive to ensure themselves against the unknown and the assaults of fate. The native is on friendly terms with destiny having been in her hands all his time. She is to him in a way, his home, the familiar darkness of the hut, a deep mold for his roots. He faces any change in life with great calm. And amongst the qualities that he will be looking for in a matter or a doctor and a god, imagination, I believe comes high up on that list. And it may be on the strength of such a taste that Caliph Harun al-Rashad maintains to the hearts of Africa and Arabia his position as an ideal ruler. With him, nobody knew what to expect next. And you did not, you dare not, know where you had him. And when the Africans speak of the personality of God, they speak like the Arabian Nights or like the last chapters of the Book of Job. It is with this same quality, the infinite power of imagination, with which they are impressed. And to this characteristic in my people, I myself owed the popularity of my fame as a sort of doctor. And when I first came out to Africa, I traveled on the boat with a great German scientist who was going out for the 23rd time to experiment with cures for sleeping sickness and who had over a hundred rats and guinea pigs on the boat with him. He told me that his difficulty with the native patients had never been a lack of courage in them in the face of pain or of a great operation they generally showed little fear, but it was their deep dislike of regularity of any repeated treatment or the systemization of the whole, and this the great German doctor could not understand. When I myself got to know the natives, this quality in them was one of the things that I had liked best. They had real courage, the unadulterated liking of danger, the true answer of creation to the announcement of their lot, the echo from the earth when heaven had spoken. I sometimes thought that what at the bottom of their hearts they feared from was pedantry. In the hands of a pedant, they die. 
of grief. My patients waited on a paved terrace outside my home and here they squatted with the old skeletons of men with tearing coughs and runny eyes, the young, slim, smooth brawlers with black eyes and bruised mouths and the mothers with their feverish children like little dry flowers hanging upon their necks. I had often had bad burns to treat, for the Kikuyu at night sleep around their fires in their huts, and the piles of burning wood or charcoal may collapse and slide down upon them. There were times I had run out of my store of medicine, and I found that honey was not a bad ointment for burns. The atmosphere of the terrace was animated, electric, like the atmosphere of the casinos in Europe. The low, lively flow of talk would stop when I came about, but the silence was pregnant with possibilities. Now, and the moment, had come when anything might happen. They did, however, always wait for me, myself, to choose my first patient. I knew very little of doctoring, just what you learn at a first aid course, but my renown as a doctor had been spread by a few chance lucky cures and had not been decreased by the catastrophic mistakes that I had made along the way. If now I had been able to guarantee my patients a recovery in each single case, who knows, but that their circle might have thinned out. I should have then have attained a professional prestige. Here, evidently, was a highly efficient doctor from Volai. But they would still have been sure that the Lord was with me. For of the Lord, they knew from the great years of drought, from the lions on the plains at night, and the leopards near their homes where the children were alone there, and from the swarms of grasshoppers that would come onto the land, nobody knew from where, and leave not a leaf of grass where they had passed. They knew him too from the unbelievable hours of happiness when the swarm passed over the maize field and did not settle, or when in the spring the rains would come early and plentiful and make all the fields and plains flower and give rich crops. So, that this highly capable doctor from Volai might be, after all, a sort of outsider where the great things in life were concerned. Coming Tay, to my surprise, turned up at my home that morning after our first meeting. He stood there, a little away from the three or four other sick people present, erect, with his half-dead face, as if, after all, he had some feeling of attachment to life, 
and now he had made up his mind to try this last chance of holdings onto it. He showed himself with time to be an excellent patient. He came when he was ordered to come without fault, and he could keep account of time when he was told to come back every third or fourth day, which isn't a very unusual thing with the natives. He bore the hard resentment of treatment of his sores with a stoicism that I have not known the like of. And in all these respects, I might have lied and held him up as a model to the others, but I did not do so. For at the same time, he caused me much uneasiness of mind. Rarely, rarely have I met such a wild creature, a human being who was so utterly isolated from the world and by a sort of firm deadly resignation completely closed to all surrounding life. I could make him answer when I questioned him, but he never volunteered a word and he never looked directly at me. He had no pity whatsoever in him and he kept a little scornful laughter of contempt and of knowing better for the tears of the other sick children when they were washed and bandaged. But he never looked at them either. He had no wish for any sort of contact with the world around him. And those contacts that he had known of had been too cruel for that. His fortitude of soul in the face of pain was the fortitude of an old warrior. A thing could never be so bad as to surprise him. He was, by his career and his philosophy, prepared for the worst. This, of course, was in grand manner, and recall the declaration of faith of Prometheus. Pain is my element as hate is thine. Ye rend me now, I cannot. And I do thy worst, thou art omnipotent. But in a person of his size, it was uncomfortable, a thing to make you lose your heart. And what would God think, I thought, confronted with this attitude in a small human being? You've been listening to Out of Africa. The letters from Karen Blixen on her journey. Join us again on the Book Nook, here on Island Waves, the voice of Prince Edward Island.